Hello, and welcome to Champion Casters, a podcast about heroes and craft, where we analyze the motifs and themes behind your favorite film and television heroes, and everything we say is in Comic Sans. My name is Michael Ruiz. And my name is Joe Tomlin. I've got a question for you today, bud. Go for it. So, a little bit of a long one, but if 10 years ago, when we were when we were children, I turned to you and said, imagine this. Imagine in the future, Disney is going to uh, acquire, is going to buy Star Wars and LucasArts as a whole, and then make a streaming service to compete with Netflix, and then on that streaming service, they would produce, or I guess contract, anime and anime studios to create anime Star Wars. Would you believe me? I'd say you should probably be getting off Tumblr and just <laughs> fucking write your own fan fiction, mm-hmm. is what I'd say. Yeah. Um, like That's bullshit. That would never in my lifetime happen. Yes. And what, why, why, why do you think that is? Why do I think I, I wouldn't believe that? Yeah. Because it sounds fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> because it sounds insane, and I cannot believe that that Star Wars anime would possibly ever uh, exist, knowing just the way in which rights works. Yeah. Um, uh, especially Disney as a corporation. Mm-hmm. But here we are in this brave new world where Star Wars anime exists on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. It is the weirdest, weirdest thing. Right? Because I agree. Absolutely. I never in a million years thought this would happen. I thought the closest we would get are those, like, clearly very well-made, fan-made anime openings. People put, like, they take that, like, Star Wars for Kids animated show clips, and then they put, like, their favorite anime openings over them. I thought that's the closest we would ever get. I thought the closest we would get was that that old 2D Clone Wars series that was kind of, like, (laughs) in the art style close to Samurai Jack, and you could kind of pretend that's anime. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it, but it's like that, yeah, it's like that's how, th- man, like this is a little bit mind boggling, right? Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it's going to be a bit of endeavor to cover all of this, but yes, Joe, why are we talking about Star Wars and anime this week? This week we're talking about Star Wars Visions, and we recognize yes. this is a little bit out of form for us. Normally we talk about a particular uh, hero or uh, protagonist, and yeah. You know, this just tickled our fancy a little too much. <laughs> no way we couldn't have talked about this. Exactly. Like, we, we have to talk about this. We grew up watching anime, especially in high school. And to, to see this be released so, like, to me, unceremoniously. Just, yeah. oh, here's some Star Wars anime just because we fucking can. It, it blows my mind. Now, the way in which we're going to be approaching this for this episode is we are going to be talking about each hero from each episode because the episodes aren't um continuous this is an anthology series which where each episode is in a different art style with a different cast and characters and story from each other so but the the one cohesion across all of them is that there are jedi um or aspiring jedi um, or Jedi adjacent uh, as protagonist. So we're going to be talking about that. Yeah, I think that that, and I think that's the most interesting thing that Visions really has to offer in terms of a new perspective on the Star Wars canon, in that like we see uh, variations of the Force and different cultures interacting with specifically that sphere, and as well as like specifically Jedi or Jedi adjacent characters navigating the galaxy. And all taking some type of lesson or moral from each of the uh, the different spaces that they exist in. Or we just see a very loud incarnation of the Jedi appear on screen. So that's the, that's the, that's the closest we can get for a champion this week. Because, man, we just, wanna, we just wanted to talk about this. So I guess, spoilers for all nine episodes of Visions. Because we, we're probably going to bounce back and forth a little bit. So... If you like this, I would put. I would still say this pretty two thumbs up. Even the episodes I think are the shorts. I don't think are as good. I would still give two thumbs up, especially if you like Star Wars, especially if you like anime and Star Wars. Yeah, if you're if if you're really into anime, if you, for all the weebs and otaku's out there, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> sure, go for it. If you're really into Star Wars, go for it. If you are not, I would probably give you a single thumbs up. 
there uh, we'll get into that um i think it's best to just try and go in order of the episodes we'll bounce around of course some will stay on for longer than others but um why don't we talk about the duel the duel well joe let me tell you about the duel so there's this guy and he is just wandering through a village and then bounty hunters attack the village and he stops them and that's the short yes um (laughs) okay um, he's known as the Ronin, Michael. Yes, uh, yes I know. <laughs> and the, yes, it's very, the plot is very simple. It's much more focused on the animation itself, which mm-hmm. is an interesting blend of 2D and 3D. The characters themselves are 3D, and I think the, the territories they inhabit are mostly 2D. Mostly 2D, yeah. Yeah, it's all black and white. And it is, um, with the exception of the lightsabers that they use, which are red. So it creates a really stunning visual. Now, how else can I describe this? And forgive me if I don't know um, these anime studios well or these artists well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just going off of visually what I recognize. This episode reminded me a lot of the most recent um, Batman anime, if you Mm -hmm. remember. There was yeah, like that Batman animated movie that came out um, from DC Universe. Like it's really done in that kind of chunky 3D, 2D art style. Yeah, I think it's fine. I do think that the style of animation they're going for does feel like they're going for a very specific aesthetic. And while I do appreciate it, I do feel like it is a is a short more focus on the style and approach mm-hmm. of it and not so much focus on the narrative and so this might just be a taste thing but generally i think that this one was just like i i use it as a metric for the rest of the shorts and i thought it was like a c it was like a c minus just like a, oh this was good this was fun it is a very simplistic narrative that i recognize from star wars of you know wanderer comes into town problem hits town wanderer must stop problem i would say the coolest thing that happens is when it reveals he has a red lightsaber because it implies that he has some affiliation with the Sith. Right. And he's and he's also like collecting red ky- kyber crystals. Yeah. And he, it seems like he might be trying to end the Sith. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a you know, it's a mystery. A lot of these episodes end on like a mystery on a cliffhanger of do you want to see more? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them work and some of them don't. Now, yeah. I'm going to say this one uh, is a strong don't for me. You, oh, okay. I know that you gave the. I know that you put this as a middle ground. I think this is the worst one. I think I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just said it was a solid C, so it's the middle ground. So it's C minus, yeah. C minus. Well, I do think you think it's some the worst. fail? Ooh, I think this one fails. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I think I think art. The reason why it fails is because I really do not care for the story, and I think the the dialogue is absolutely horrendous. I think the dialogue, even for something that's like trying to replicate Star Wars, which, which doesn't have the most impressive dialogue no. for the most part. No. Star Wars can be pretty heavy handed with its themes mm-hmm. um, and with the tropes it's pulling on. So every now and then you get like nuggets of, of goodness in mm-hmm. Star Wars in terms of the way in which scripts are written. I don't know. Look at The Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> they, they have a lot of great nuggets in there. Um, even, and you know, um, episode three, uh, Revenge of the Sith, when we get the moment of, uh, learning about dark, Darth Plagueis the Wise, that's some interesting dialogue. Yeah. Um, it's simple, but it's compelling. Yeah. Now the problem is in this episode, it's just simple. Th- this dialogue could have been so much more. I think honestly, mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed it more if I just muted it. <laughs> yeah totally if i think having this if and even watching something of like watching a star wars anthology in this art style where everything is mute would be really interesting to me mm-hmm. so i think the dialogue kind of detracts from it <laughs> yeah yeah big time i i totally agree i feel like the animation while impressive at times i i agree i i don't think there's anything interesting character work happening and I know that you're supposed to read into the action somehow. I think you're supposed to interpret him as, I think, like you said, he's some type of like previous Sith and trying to abolish the Sith by kind of taking that type of justice in his own hands. But that's it. Like, that's not, nor is that like particularly novel for Star Wars. I guess it, like I said, it's cool when he has the red lightsaber, but it's really nothing more than that. And mm-hmm. especially like even the idea that the whole short is done in black and white to really draw attention to the color of that is 
fine. It's just all it is, right? It's just exactly the story it appears to be, would save that one twist. Yeah, I've watched Sin City. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much the duel. I feel like this is going to be true for most of these shorts, that, like, the animation is pretty good, and I feel like we can talk about that individually as we keep going forward, but, yeah. Mm -hmm. Generally, you're getting a quick pass. Yeah, quick pass. Um, In terms of the hero, uh, Ronan himself, mildly interesting. Um, He's fine. He's just... He's fine. He's just a dude. He's just... He's a wanderer um he is it it feels like it's drawing upon western um western themes wanderer yeah. rolls into town stops bad guys turns out the wanderer isn't so good himself yeah so on and so forth yeah ready to move on oh i'm ready to move on we're gonna be talking about ta- tatooine rhapsody joe tell me is this your favorite one is tatooine rhapsody my favorite one no but it was a genuine surprise to watch okay so I was talking with Michael about this off mm-hmm. mic, and now I'm going to mention this on mic because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. The 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 way the the thing that I thought about while watching every single episode was: is this anime doing Star Wars, or is this Star Wars doing anime? How much of this is trying to have a narrative that replicates Star Wars narratives, or is it just trying to take on Star Wars's aesthetics? Yes. Um, is this an anime aesthetic that has a Star Wars narrative? Now, with these two episodes we're about to talk about, I feel like they're they're polar opposites. And that mm-hmm. Tatooine Rhapsody is full on an anime narrative. I've seen this anime plot dozens of times, um, but it has a Star Wars skin. There's Boba Fett in it. There's there's Jabba Jabba the Hutt in it. Um, mm-hmm. We have a bunch of different aliens, but the the narrative is literally about a band. And yeah. they use the power of their rock and roll music to persuade Jabba the Hutt to not kill them. Yeah. And that is the plot. And that is so charming to me. <laughs> totally. No, I, I, I agree. This is definitely, I, I was a little worried after the first one, but this one immediately kind of dissuaded me a bit because I think, like you said, this is truly probably the one of the more novel takes we're also going to see in this in these groups of shorts because Jay, our main character, is possibly like one of the only protagonists here who really solves things without bringing out his lightsaber, right? Like he is a Padawan, he has that past there, but he sticks to his music. Mm-hmm. He sticks to his like power of friendship style music. And the idea of him turning his lightsaber into a microphone is the exact type of, like, ridiculous genre fiction shit that I'm fucking here for, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah, like this 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 tool, which, you know, all these shorts are going to be very focused on the lightsaber. And so to see, in in hindsight, looking back on this, this being the, the uh, weapon, so to say, or the tool he uses to empower himself is really cool that it really sticks to the music theme, right? Mm-hmm. And giving us a banger opening for the rest of the series. <laughs> yep. Because that that song's pretty catchy. Yes, it is. It's very catchy. And, and Jay is an interesting and Jay is an interesting hero. I mm-hmm. you know, the the thing is we're only getting really short glimpses of these heroes. If these episodes are each 15 minutes long and our heroes are like one character, we're probably only getting like 10 to 7 minutes of characterization, mm-hmm. depending on the episode. Yeah. Um and Jay, I, I, I like Jay. I like I agree. I like his motivations. I like the way in which he approaches the conflict and the problem. And I like the solution. It was just a hell of a lot of fun to see a band uh, jam out in front of Jabba's uh, basically Coliseum. Uh, yeah. If you recall, that's where the that's where pod racing is hosted. Yep. And also like his, all his band members, while not like particularly like new characters at very least felt loud enough so that you got an understanding of what their role in the band was by the time the 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 short was over right they Uh felt like a band they felt like they have they had a slightly lived in relationship it was enough to carry the short forward and it was just certainly lots of fun and that was probably the and in tandem with the the animation going from more of a chibi style uh, more cute style of everyone who would have thought boba fett would make the transfer over to chibi style so go- so well <laughs> yeah no uh Bo- boba fett totally worked it's be- they, they like, scaled everybody down to size right mm-hmm. jay is the same height as boba fett at mm-hmm. first when i saw boba fett i was a little off put and then i'm like wait everyone's this height okay mm-hmm. whatever everyone's small yeah because i mean like you're used to seeing a character in one medium and then when you see them in another it can be jarring at times ask yeah every superhero fan ever 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when you have, when someone draws like your fa- when another artist draws your favorite hero, and you're like, they don't look like that. <laughs> they ain't built yeah. like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I think I think even even more so when they reveal that he has this this past as a Jedi. And also, like, when he chooses to do things his way, I feel like it also feels still feels illuminating for kind of what we're talking about with the Jedi here in that, like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to be too much like, you know, how does this fit into the lore, established lore? But like, if he is in my brain, like a survivor of Order 66, then like, this is kind of like having fun with like, not all Jedi had to go on to become like space wizards. Like, this is like, oh, no, this kid just grew up and he lived a different dream. While still being, like, informed by his past as well. Correct. And I think yeah. that that's cool. I do too. Yeah, I think that's really sweet. We're going to get a couple more of these really interesting uh, Jedi alternatives later. Yeah. Um, I think now would be uh, the, the time to transition over to talking about the twins. Did you want to point out that it was made by Studio Trigger? No, I was just going to point out that uh, Jay looks like you in animated format a little bit you know i think a couple characters in this series look like animated me but we're gonna get into that later (laughs) (laughs) anyway Um, keep going i'm sorry yeah maybe yeah maybe a younger version of me jay yeah i I probably look a bit like jay but we're we're talking about twins now and Mm -hmm. twins um which was made by studio trigger Mm -hmm. which i should mention Studio Trigger created uh, Gurren Lagann and Kill la Kill, two anime yes. that Michael and I bonded over. Gurren Lagann being the first anime I think we bonded over, really. Poss- possibly, yeah. We would like. I remember the days when we, you know, we would. I would get back and tell you, "Oh my god, I can't believe I saw this this episode." And you're like, "Yeah, you gotta get to the next one." Uh, I was constantly trying to catch up to Gurren Lagann with you, but when we were watching Kill la Kill, we were each watching it the day it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if either of us were a day late, it was it was agonizing. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> school the next day was a lot quieter because we're just like, well, now we did, we can't talk about it because uh, one of us hasn't seen it. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, Studio Trigger has a very specific um, visual uh, style. Very yes. fast, very curvy. They When action sequences peak, they're they're very quick to um, exaggerating everything. Yes. Um, visually. And the twins is no exception. Oh my god, it's so, it's so loud, it's so bombastic. I remember thinking when I first saw this, and I don't know if it's still true, but it's a very specific type of animation that, like, it is going for maximum amount of expressiveness, that Mm -hmm. even though I think this episode suffers a little bit from dialogue problems and, like, references all over the place, there's something very loud and proud about it, that, like, seeing, seeing... (laughs) Seeing the giant rainbow lightsaber come out, I was just like, this is so, so silly. <laughs> this is fucking bonkers. Like, my my thought process at the end, I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. These two kids in space, no helmets, totally fine. Robot yeah. goes into space, must wear a helmet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what it's, the hell? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so over the top, right? It's so ridiculous. And I think that's why I'm here for it, you know? Yeah, it really owns it. Um, it owns its visual aesthetic. Um, it loves the fact that they're both wearing, like, mech suits. And, and they're fighting in space mm-hmm. over just a singular kyber crystal. Yeah. Just a singular, large kyber crystal, probably the size of your fist. I, I do remember being like, oh, no, he flew out into space. He's in a helmet. And then they just went, kept going. I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> Doesn't matter. They do not care. <laughs> they don't care. But I think, I think probably, and this is probably still true in my brain, that like, I know people were joking that they turned uh, General Grievous into a waifu <laughs> with the main villain here <laughs> because she has <laughs> fucking six arms. <laughs> but I think that this was this was the first one also like the way in which uh lightsabers were animated here that I remember thinking wow this is really cool because I don't think in the hands of a traditional animation studio they would draw lightsabers like this they wouldn't have that really cool shot of her wrapping all six of her like lightsaber whips around his one prismatic lightsaber that is half blue half red like slowly forming into red that like that like that shot alone made this short really cool, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that, you know, people get so, you know, because Star Wars fans are toxic, like many fandoms, but Star Wars fans are toxic, and they really want it to be, you know, consistent when it just isn't. 
And I think the ability for Studio Trigger to just kind of like ignore all that and just really make lightsaber specifically do whatever properties they want. They're made up. They could do whatever. I remember thinking, wow, this looks so cool. Like this fight choreography right. in particular is like fucking sick. Right. Now, this is one of my more my more favorite uh, of the of the the anthologies. And for those same reasons, um, and possibly because this one reminds me the most of The Last Jedi, and that it doesn't really give a fuck about what your rules are. <laughs> Interesting. Um, um, it, you know, our protagonist, yeah, our, our, our protagonist, Kare, um, has a similar mindset to, to um, Kylo Ren and Rey and Luke in that, you know, fuck it, just let it mm-hmm. all die. Let's just, they both suck um for different reasons we also have our visual references to to the last jedi with the the star destroyer being cut in half Mm -hmm. which of all the scenes yeah that feels like an anime scene when you watch that in that movie totally (laughs) it's the idea of a really quick movement to a pause for you to like you know the adrenaline rush and then having the moment to sink in and then going into something else really quickly yeah, big time. That's something that Studio Trigger, I would say, does really well. And of course, they're going to reference that. So I mentioned him. Um, what do you think of Kare as a character? I think he's fine. I mean, I th- I think that this is... Th- their characters read to me as... This is going to sound weird because this is actually one of my lower on the tier list of these shorts right now. Okay, all right. Uh, but I I like it because... This was the one that made me realize that the assignment that was probably given to these studios was not, you know, do your own novel take on Star Wars, which admittedly I'm a little bit bummed about because I like when art forms take their own, uh, when you're allowed to do whatever you want. But it is more meant to be like a celebration and a distillation of what they like about Star Wars. And this to me reads to me as like an AU of Luke and Leia. And... which is probably why they have like the references from the movies all over the place which admittedly i think is a little obnoxious just because they have it's like jam-packed full of them and the fact they even say you know where are you going a galaxy far far away uh you know do Uh or do not there is no try you know so i got a bad feeling about you know all all over the place which i find a little bit grating but i do think that very least if this is if i approach this from the, the, the lens of this is a retelling of luke and leia a bit i can kind of get down for that you know Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why I like Kare a little bit because this is kind of doing this. I think we're going to get a short, it's a little bit better version of this, but this is kind of doing what I think Star Wars uh, aspires to do. And I think what anime can do really well, which is the very melodramatic, hey, I really care about you and I need my, I need my fighting or I need my whatever to reflect the emotions I'm feeling internally. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I really like Kare, even though he is just like, like, what's his characterization? He's kind of just boy. Yeah. Like, there's nothing much to him. <laughs> yeah, there isn't much to him. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Um, About slightly more than, than Ronin in the duel. Mm-hmm. But I think the aesthetic of the twins and the narrative that was told was just more appealing to me. Even if, yeah, I, I'll, I'll fully admit and agree with you. There were like, there were a lot of references but I kind of just like smiled and laughed at it because I'm like, this is over the top and this dialogue fits what it's trying to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's such it's such a loud episode that like I think the references aren't that bad here specifically because they're not being right. used for dramatic weight. They're being used to just be as loud as possible, which if someone doesn't like that, that's totally fine. But I think mm-hmm. it, it works for specifically Studio Trigger style. Agreed. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, moving on. Uh, number four, the village bride thoughts. It's so jarring to go from the twins to the village bride. It's like a flash. <laughs> <laughs> it's a completely different type of story. Completely, completely different style of story. So subtle. So like you, you get something loud and obnoxious and you get something that's a bit more calm, subtled, much more narrative focused than action yes. focused, but still pretty interesting. I really liked this this episode because it felt like it felt like the assignment that we assumed it was going to be yes. and that you're going to take star wars and do something really fucking different with it and they yeah. did this idea that we're watching this character who is seeing this external struggle between mm-hmm. basically victims of colonization uh yes <laughs> and you're, that's going to be a theme this isn't mm-hmm. the only episode that has victims of colonization 
Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's very key. Um, Mm -hmm. I love how they use the Empire throughout this entire, throughout all these episodes. 100%. But with the Village Bride specifically, watching this character struggle to take action. And and these other um, native characters, native to the world, Mm -hmm. find confidence in their actions. I thought that that was, the, the dramatic weight between that, I could really feel that. Yeah, uh, the Jedi's name is uh, is F, right? F, yeah. The one with the the one with the blue mask. Mm-hmm. It looks yes. cool as hell. Yeah, great she, aesthetic. Great looking, great. Honestly, I, I this is actually one of my favorites of all of all the shorts mm-hmm. right now, just because I do think we get just enough of her. Like I really like that. Once again, like we talk about animation and it being how important it is to tell a story through your visuals in this format and the. The quickest glimpse you got of the lightsaber that like kind of moves over her face and then she gets her mask cut off later and it just reveals the tiny scar. It's like, oh, cool. That's all you really need to know about this character to explain why she feels the need to be involved in the way she does. While also Mm -hmm. like taking the time to understand, like understand like the time and place this culture and this group of people have found themselves in. Like, I, I, I still don't like the idea that this group of uh, brown people are being saved by this very, very <laughs> light-skinned girl. <laughs> Even if she's she's this cool goth Jedi, which I'm still here for. I think I still think she looks cool. I feel like there's still a weird white savior thing going on right now. But I mm-hmm. do at the very least appreciate the idea that they are welcoming to her and she does have to, like, learn about them and talk to them first. Like, that very, like, key scene, I think, where she speaks to the, the village bride and she explains, like, oh, hey, this is why I'm doing this thing. And I feel like this is what, like, the Jedi on paper supposed to do. In that they're supposed to go places. They're supposed to learn about things. They're supposed to learn about cultures and understand, like, what role their mediation is supposed to play in it. And I think that this example of F doing that thing and trying to, like, clearly, you know, make sense of that teaching because she's not attached to the Order anymore is, like, a good distillation of what I imagine, like, a Jedi adventure should look like. Right. Even more so, this is going to be a little tiny note, and I don't know how fair a criticism this is, but I do like that this is one of the few shorts that doesn't feel like it naturally leads into an episode two. I like that it's pretty self-contained. A lot of these, sometimes these shorts feel like they're, like, this is, like, a pilot. And even though I would watch the next episode, it doesn't mean that there is no next episode. I want it to be self-contained. Right. I don't know if Disney or these studios are planning on doing like a season two where they have follow ups to everything and it adds and they end up doing like something Mm -hmm. like a trilogy. I don't know. But yeah, um, I agree. I prefer when these episodes feel like one shot. So I preferred Tatooine Rhapsody or I'm like, I could this could end here. That's fine. Yeah. Total standalone story. Total standalone story. And I, I agree with, with just about everything you're saying um, on The Village Bride. Yeah, kind of weird about the uh, weird kind of white savory stuff a little bit leading that way. But still, yes, the, the complicated feelings um, and, and dynamics were were interesting to me. I really yeah. I really dug it now. Yeah. And I really liked her mentor's buckethead. I did like his buckethead. That was also a bomb, apparently. <laughs> very, very uh, interesting. You know, and that's that's another thing is like, yeah. you know, the, the idea that they get to take these aspects of Star Wars and add on top of that. What do what do droids look yeah. like from their perspective, from like these different artists perspective? What do um, you know, what other innovative aspects are they going to bring to the table? So I really do like that. I like when lightsabers look different. I like when lightsabers look like, you know, look like katanas. That's fucking cool. That's the first time we see this, too. Yeah, it's yellow fucking katana i was like fuck <laughs> fucking cool yeah <laughs> yeah it's awesome and also like once again to completely contrast episode three episode four her movements aren't bombastic at all that's very quick just boom like kind of one and done she just kind of like ends the fight pretty quickly yeah with her freaking with her fucking like super powered stilettos <laughs> yeah it's just i love it damn <laughs> Yeah, in the same way, like, that's, like, how she kind of feels like she's a Jedi informed by, like, I'm assuming the, the older guy is just some bounty hunter who's, like, her mentor. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it just, it works. The little bits you're allowed to read into feel like they naturally fall into place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that just, that, to me, makes it feel like a holistically satisfying and and still being left with a little, wanting a little bit more 
as well as I really like the uh, very geometric way that they drew the the nature. Right. And like the way in which like the the, the greenery feels very simply layered, but it really uh, makes it pop a lot more. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Maybe oftentimes when Americans think of anime, one of the easiest things to recall is anything made by Studio Ghibli, mm-hmm. who notably actually were being distributed by Disney for a while um until that mm-hmm. contract ended and they decided that now all their stuff is going on to hbo streaming service so i think it's really interesting that they aren't included on this mm-hmm. however um studio ghibli is known specifically for advocating for nature in their films mm-hmm. um advocating for the importance of preserving nature um in its natural state and Star Wars has themes about that as well, especially with the Force. The Force is supposed to be an element of nature and the balance between yeah. everything. And the Empire is literally mechanical beings. The idea of industrialization and imperialism destroying natural elements. So seeing yeah. that in and the way in which that is depicted in The Village Bride was, to me, was exciting seeing people connected yeah. to the force and the force being embo- an embodiment of nature. I really enjoy that. We're going to see more of that later, but I really, I, I like you, this is up there with the, the better episodes. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. We should probably keep moving just because I, I, we could keep talking about the village bride, but we should probably keep moving. Uh, so yeah, uh, solid, solid, solid short, honestly, probably way up there for me, but we'll do a little round off at the end. Uh, number five, Ninth Jedi. What do you think about this one, Joe? Oh, God. This one had so much potential. This one, I... Okay, same place, same place. I yeah. loved the first act. I thought they fucking nailed the first act. Um, They mm-hmm. set up every... like. Th- to me, it felt like, oh, yes, they're doing Star Wars in their own way. I really love that mm-hmm. they're just taking an AU version of the entire thing. Basically, um, supposedly the Ninth Jedi is set after uh, the rise of Skywalker on like the opposite end of the galaxy or whatever. So I really loved the setup. I really liked the characters that they had established and the lore. And then they just could not handle the plot at all. No. They just they didn't know what to do with it. No. The third act fell apart entirely. It was laughable. It was frustrating. I oh god this this is contender for worst for me oh really that bad the story really hurt me you know the thing is I'm I'm judging a lot of this on story because I think the art in every single episode is phenomenal I really do agree so I can't I can't really I have a hard time criticizing any of this art um but the story just totally fell apart and I was just uh I was so upset what did you think Michael (laughs) I think, okay, so this this one, honestly, I think that this episode, because it is also the longest one, this is a case for, man, sometimes that word count is there for a reason, because 22 minutes, my guy, you got 22 minutes here. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, like, how, I don't know how that worked or anything, but it does feel like it has the most going on in it, in, in, in not great ways at times, it does feel like they're trying to squeeze a lot into one short. Mm-hmm. And this is another one where I feel like it's it's a pilot. It's not it's not the entire encapsulation of these characters. In ways, it also doesn't make me feel like I'm entirely wanting more. But I do think this, this, the, the coolest thing about this short is how it plays with the idea of the lightsaber. Right, the idea that this lightsaber is now the personification of the user in a very real way in which acknowledging that star wars is like lightsabers are that mm-hmm. right and so much so that when they have that big reveal where you know uh ethan and lakara are like surrounded by them and they all turn red i was like okay there we go that's good mm-hmm. that's really good that's really solid and even even the idea that one of them has the purple lightsaber that he's supposed to be locked in between you know good and evil right and it's funny how in Star Wars, we talk so much about how, like, in Star Wars, good and evil literally exist, right? hmm But the most interesting characters are the ones that drift in between them. Like Luke, Rey, hell, even people really like Kylo for this reason, too. Anakin. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the characters that drift in between these two spectrums. And to have that lightsaber, the lightsaber, the main tool that everyone recognizes, be the, the signifier of that is really cool 
and I like the idea, especially, I mean, especially just like in the, the previous episode, when the lightsaber uh, flew to the master's hand, and he caught it, and it turned green, and it got that little ring around it. Oh, so cool. <laughs> you know? So cool. So cool. But that's really all it kind of had going for it. And I wish they gave Lakara a little bit more of the morality shifting thing, where because she's still figuring herself out, and she's kind of between these two things, but she's really powerful... It would be interesting to see her play with that morality shift rather than her just kind of, you know, commit to being the Jedi and get a green one, you know? I think the problem was having a character like that, the guy with the purple lightsaber, like, I I didn't notice it until the very end. It felt very after, mm-hmm. it felt very rushed. Like, oh, this character is like, I'm so sorry, I was just consumed by the darkness around me. Like, I don't give a fuck. This, uh, this is so weird. <laughs> Kill him. You, we just killed 10 other people. Kill him now. Yeah. So like that was kind of distracting from Lakara as as well as Ethan. We open our episode with Ethan and then we cut to Lakara. You know, mm-hmm. like that feels to me feature length rather than episodic length, you know? Yeah. Yeah, why is Ethan even here? We like we don't need him. No, we don't. I mean like we need Ethan in the sake that like Lockhart, like they didn't want Lakara to fight all of the like six other Jedi um six or seven other jedi or mm-hmm. whatever herself they need another like positive character to introduce or like jedi character to introduce but i don't know I, I i think they just tried to do a bit too much with it um so in the third act it completely fell apart for me and it was so disappointing yeah and, and i agree i think that like it, it is just like a very rushed finale and ultimately what is a really cool concept too, uh-huh. as well as playing with the idea that like I thought they were going to get a little bit more into, like, what a lightsaber, like, meant to them mm-hmm. as, like, this tool for, like, you know, for fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of what lightsaber is specifically used for, as well as also being the signifier for your intent, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you have a red lightsaber, it probably means you mean someone harm or you're whatever. Like, that is the language Star Wars uses to communicate that. Hence why that moment when Anakin's in front of the younglings, all he has to do is turn on his lightsaber and you know what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. But if we didn't really get that, it's kind of just cool color swapping thing, which I love color. Like I said, I just said it, it worked so well for me when it turned green, but it, it was really nothing more than that. Yeah. It did feel like it was the episode with the most wasted potential, so to say. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Well, so it goes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how'd you feel about the 2B1? Yeah, it's like a little bit of Astro Boy going on there. Um, uh, T.O.B. one, so cute, so adorable. I love the idea of uh, Jedi coming from unexpected places. So, mm-hmm. and, like we had talked about um, with Episode Two, um, this is another character where you know we don't. This is a different type of Jedi, a different type, a different narrative that we haven't quite seen. This is a robot, a cute robot mm. who wants the fun of a Jedi, but not the responsibility or the consequences. And then learns to find a yeah. purpose um, within that. And I think that's really neat. I also think it's really interesting to have the themes of this, having the visualization of this robot um, bring back nature. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? This, t- like I said, I bring up Mega Man just because I feel like that is the plot of those games is that like your planet's being destroyed and you like kind of this synthetic being are literally the creation of that. Honestly, I was really, I thought this, this short was going to be a little bit more into the whole idea that Star Wars doesn't, Star Wars exists in this really weird space where they don't treat droids as people, but also we love R2. Mm-hmm. We love R2 and C-3PO and totally see them as, you know, beings with agency and, uh, you know, sentience, but like nobody else really treats them that way. Like people don't see droids as people, right? In I think in, in, in purposeful ways at times, because of that specific type of dehumanization does exist. But I feel like this one was, was the one that felt like it had the potential to show that off, especially in something that I think is the force, right? To show off that like, yes, even this, you know, 2B1 has connection to the force, even though he's synthetic, that doesn't make him any less of a person. Mm-hmm. You know, Star Wars loves to, I've heard people say this plenty of times now that like Star Wars loves to use uh, prosthetics as a, as a tools to show off like loss of like loss of like humanity, which is like all kinds of like ableist nonsense. But I thought that I thought that we were going to get more of like giving droids a sense of sentience in that way, as well as them being shown to like bring back nature, like you said, as like, yes, 
they care about this too because ultimately they can feel it too and we kind of get there i do like like the messaging of it i do think it's still you know in the right space it just is just very cute you know it is it is like watching wally distilled into you know 14 minutes right yeah that is a good way to describe it it, it was very charming i really enjoyed it uh this one was like middle of the pack for me yeah i mm-hmm. agree it's fine like i i don't i didn't dislike it but mm-hmm. i do think it is i do think it is uh i do think it's cute yeah the, you know I, I wish i had more to say i like that i like that plant life comes back i like that 2b1 gets that moment yeah mm-hmm. uh, i like that the doctor looks like dr light you know why not <laughs> why not uh but really i i really i guess i don't have much more to say about it other than that same all right so now do you want to you want to talk about the elder let's talk about the elder for a second mm-hmm. how do you feel about the elder i really enjoyed it yeah, I think this is I, this is another solid episode. I, I think this may have been my favorite episode, and I was honestly surprised. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Let me know. Talk to me. All right. So this episode clearly draws a lot of influence from the prequels, not just in the way in which the yes. Jedi robes are drawn, but also in the way in which the narrative functions. The prequels are very talky movies. It's very much focused yeah. on dialogue, lore dumping, explanations of other things. However... This movie improves upon the prequels and that that lore mm-hmm. dumping is actually characterization and that matters yes. later in the plot. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the action and the build up to that feels like a release to, from it. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of have two main characters in this, right? Mm hmm. We have Dan as the Jedi Padawan and we have Tajin as the uh, master. Mm hmm. As well as the elder that they fight later on in the story, and I, I thought this episode was was really really neat. Uh, is anyone else surprised that I also like the one by Studio Trigger? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think you're right. I think the the number one thing I take away from this is that the master feels like he has a perspective, mm-hmm. and more so than that, this is the first time I think in all the most of the Star Wars shit I see. Because most of the Star Wars shit I think I see is people struggling with emotion and feelings in a way that makes it really strange that there's ever a case made for the Jedi ideology as a whole, right? All of it is so, like, you know, just turning yourself into a rock, right? An unfeeling rock. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is the only time that that the Master presents uh, Dan with the, 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 the case that is... It's not saying that like things don't matter, like because obviously he and he instructs him to be like, hey, go, you know, go uh, say goodbye to those kids. You know, this is what you do this for. These 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 moments of brief happiness still do have meaning, but ultimately, if you are so ruled by passion and just this very uh, hot like desire, like the elder is, it will eventually, it's it's fleeting. It will leave you, and it can be self destructive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that in that of itself is kind of like how I feel like that's like how I wish Jedi ideology was made somewhat as like an actual uh, like believable like method of uh, life and following and worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I, I do think that Dan is also like specifically characterized as kind of like this young eager kid in a way that I think is also not obnoxious. Right. And not like he's trying to... You know, he's not trying to be, like, the chipper young kid. Like, especially the, especially in anime, we see that a lot. Like, young kid gets in over his head, has to be saved, right? hmm And this time, we genuinely see him uh, struggle a whole lot and feel like he's taken in what his master's telling him. I guess, like you said, it is a very talky episode, with most of the shots being of one of them talking. And I think that's done in such a way to also show that both of them are listening to the other one. Right. And I think that that's pretty important in a way in which, like, the dialogue here is so much more important. Mm-hmm. Because what they're saying is not entirely, like, what's on, like, what's uh, in their mind. As as Dan even suggests to his master at the very beginning, he's like, oh, hey, I just want to go to the mountains because I'm better with mountains. And you're better with ships. And his master's like, okay, yeah, you're full of shit. I see right through you, but <laughs> sure. I need to let you go make your own mistakes. <laughs> like... <laughs> Which is good. Like that, I feel like that's one. I like. I like the relationship between the two of them, mm-hmm. just as like a fun mentor and Padawan, or master and Padawan dynamic. But it's, and we just don't see that. But also because, yeah, they clearly know how to speak to each other in a way that feels lived in. Mm-hmm. 
I totally agree. And the the art, uh, especially the way in which they they depicted uh, the elder, was so creepy. Like the the, yeah. the eye coloring was so was so wild. Um, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love their fight sequences as well. Very slow, very deliberate. Yes, very deliberate. Um, we only got the scenes that we needed. Uh, it was not mm-hmm. in excess. In contrast to the other Studio Trigger uh, episode. These feel yeah. like polar opposites. Yeah. Could not be more subdued. Yeah. But I love them both. Uh, so anyway, I think we should uh, move on to Lop and Ocho. <laughs> oh, my God. Lop and Ocho. Uh, you know, I'm going to say this straight out of the gate. This is one. This is also up there with one of my favorite episodes of this of these shorts. And by God, I didn't want it to be. Because I was like, you know, honestly, I remember turning my brother to be like, okay, here comes the fucking bunny girl <laughs> episode. <laughs> Here's 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 anime crimes about to start happening because we're about to watch the fucking Bunny Girl episode. I love it, but and you watch that movie, you watch that episode, and you started crying because you, Michael, realized yourself were the Bunny Girl. You, Michael, are lop. Wait, what? What? What are you talking about? You lop. Oh, oh, did Kyle text you? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I hate both of you. I guess I'm going to leave this in now. <laughs> so, so Michael, can, can you explain to our listeners, why are you Lop? Why are you Bunny Girl? Why are you the Bunny anime I'm, girl in the Star Wars? I am not Bunny... Oh, God. Okay. Well, let me just explain why I like this. So, Lop and Ocho is about... You know, it's about two sisters. And I think, much like number three... And I think this is the best personification of it in that what is Star Wars truly aiming to be but a space opera mm-hmm. where, you know, the there's this global conflict happening and the battle is between you and someone you really love, right? You know, even though you're on opposite sides of these two warring factions, you have to go at it with each other. And the only thing stopping you from, like, you know, like finishing the other person off is the fact that you love them. And it's like familial conflict. It's also a story that has to deal with inheritance Mm -hmm. and lineage in a way that I think Star Wars is also obsessed with. But I like the idea that the fascist sister who eventually goes full-blown fascist is like, you're not my family. We're not even blood related. And the idea that her dad and Lop are like, no, it's never mattered. That's never been what's most important here. Like, I love you. And that level of conflict of internal emotional conflict conflicting with the greater story i think is the is is like the 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 personification of most of the things i really like about star wars and that like also her lightsaber just looks fucking awesome i love that it's green i love that it's a katana she looks super cool the fight choreography is really good and yeah i just really like the the also the low scale feeling of it's just about their conflict on this planet it's not getting too large quite yet while also still being the space opera. It's good. It, like, it knows how to do the balance of everything just right. Mm-hmm. Abs- absolutely. I agree. My problem with this episode is the motivations don't stick for me. Because at the very beginning, the fascist sister is the one who bring- Ocho brings Lop into the family. And then we jump cut mm-hmm. and all of a sudden Ocho is a fascist and, and xenophobic and hates Lop. And it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like I like I need a there is a scene missing where Ocho as a kid or as an adult has an interaction where she's just like, oh, I hate others now, <laughs> quote unquote other now. <laughs> and yeah, I don't buy it. So that's why I'm like I was a little like off put throughout the rest of the episode. But I totally agree with you in that this episode clearly picks up on the themes of Star Wars and nails them. Uh, and mm-hmm. nails and create nails them in creating their own narrative around those themes. Yeah. Um, and totally. I, and I see why you view this as a better version of, uh, episode three, the twins. I, I get yeah. it. Um, however, what I don't get is why are you the bunny, Michael? Why, oh, why are you this bunny rabbit? Oh, you know, it's funny because I, are... I think, I think you, uh, you and Lop, and the father uh, agree on a lot of things. But um, are, would you say that it, it, you are the great communicator in your family, personally? Would you say that you're like a communicator between between people? 
In my family? Yeah. Yes, I would say my family would tell me that that is my role right. in my family. Sorry, yes. so so that's why you're lob. Yeah, I mean, if if you really want me to answer seriously why I think Kyle thinks I am the bunny girl, why I'm lop, is just because that perspective of someone who like clearly loves someone, and I'll just say this as someone who also wrote this into uh, our our campaign too. They're like, oh, what do you do when someone like you love someone and they're clearly starting to fall down a, like you know the wrong path and dealing and navigating that relationship as well. And did you really being av- able to kind of like? Did you really avoid saying the rabbit hole? We got we got move on. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You know what, listeners? If you want to hear a full scale breakdown of why I'm the bunny girl, you can you can hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> that's that's our Patreon. <laughs> that's our non-existent Patreon Q and A. My point is, I guess with Lop and how she adds to this whole Jedi mythos is the idea of, you know, you have to be the mediator in between people you love and knowing like their like, you know, knowing your place in this like larger conflict and knowing how to get involved in a way that tries to stop the violence uh, between like you, you know, someone, even people you have like attachment and care for like that. And some of this is a learned lesson brought passed down by someone older than you which is their father yeah i get some finn vibes from that yeah not not necessarily i wouldn't say finn necessarily has like a strong mentor to do that um mm-hmm. maybe it, you know in in the last jedi you you could say rose is that mentor kind of kind of Han Solo in the first one but the force awakens but yeah i say finn serves a similar role of constantly being motivated by loved ones trying to enter immediate conflict it's just being the heart right it's just being the heart of the group and i think that it's just it's just a very uh like i said it's a distillation of several things that i like Mm -hmm. about star wars in that way Well, michael i'm gonna tell you right now you're the heart of the group thank you joe i also think you're the heart of the group thanks we're like two hearts beating together anyway would you like to talk about number nine let's talk about number nine yeah Let's talk about Akakiri. Tsubaki, our, our Jedi who doesn't stay a Jedi for the whole story. No. In fact, I do think it's it's cool that he opens with, like, kind of sliced up some bandits, and then slowly he's like, yeah, I'm going to go full-blown fasci in this, <laughs> in this uh, fascist in this, uh, at the end of this. Yeah, so this is drawn, this art style is completely different from the rest. Yeah. It's very 2D. Um, very, mm-hmm. uh, simplistic, uh, iconographic images. This, you know, we, we blur into surrealism towards the end. And yes, our character who is motivated by love, that relationship was a little bit severed. Um, and now yeah. as he attempts to try and regain that relationship, he's constantly plagued by the thoughts of losing it. So this is a retelling of Anakin and Padme. Yeah. And once again, this is the better version of it. <laughs> yeah. Complete with a what have I done moment, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like this episode. This is, this is actually lower on the episodes for me. Okay. Uh, I, I, do, I do like the idea of it. I just feel like it is, it's, it's short and there's a lot going on. And I feel like I wish there was more done with their relationship in general. Mm-hmm. Was showing off like how much they care for each other. Because that final decision is meant to be like the big like sucker punch mm-hmm. i think in particular with subaki i wish we got more of what his relationship was so that when ultimately he turns to that the, the sith shogun he's like oh I, I would believe he would turn in this way yeah in, in a very real way mm-hmm. because it kind of happens very quickly and it's kind of just over right and that's just like that's just how the short ends yes that i would say that's frequent for these shorts the conclusions and like there is no uh resolution you know no it's just like yeah it just cut the credits so Mm -hmm. with the with your uh assessment of this episode i think i enjoyed it more than you did Mm -hmm. because when he does turn at the end i was fully into it i love the surreal aspects i love how everything turned red um i was Mm -hmm. in a moment where i don't know if this is real or actually happening and the fact that we stick through to it two credits is uh, a really bold move and i i also like to touch in that 
he is able to revive her. Yeah. But in that moment, he has to immediately move on. Yeah, it's committing to the whole idea of, like, I think Anakin's story is meant to be a tragedy, so it's like, oh, he did all this, and then he lost the one thing he was doing it all for. But this this kind of gives you the opposite, which is, oh, you actually accomplished what you were doing, and now you have, but now you have to go, like, you have to go become a Sith. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And that, in and of itself, is, a, I, I, I mean, it's hard to say, because, you know, there's three movies for Anakin's journey, but... It does feel like a good, shorter version of that story. Right. You know, this this could almost be the myth that Anakin heard that it would inspire him to do uh, to do what he does. Yes, this is th- this could be the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise. An- Anakin heard it not from a Jedi. Not from a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I feel like that's that's my point with this short is that it's it's a really interesting in, uh, beginning, really interesting ending, and I just think in the middle of it it loses me. I agree. Yeah, it it it's like it feels like a, it's like it's spinning its wheels a little bit. And if it's supposed to be about the relationship between him and the and the princess, I I, I don't know if I'm buying it. Oh, or I don't know. I guess they have that in common with Anakin and Padme. Then woo, that's true. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> well, you know. I'm I'm curious now that we've come now that we've come to the end of this. And I see we're w- way past time already, so we're gonna do we're gonna do some editing. Uh, my uh, future Michael. Um, if I had to ask you, Joe, what do you think you gleaned about the Jedi from these shorts? Like, what do you think? What do you think that the takeaway was? Uh, the takeaway is that the Jedi are cool. They got these cool laser swords, and they're powered by this <laughs> awesome thing called the Kyber Crystal. Um, mm-hmm. no, I think I learned that the Jedi are fluid. I think. That everybody's interpretation of a Jedi or a Ronin or a hero is different. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that we're living in a world where Jedis don't have to be pure uh, lawful good. I'm glad that we could have yeah. some some neutrals and some chaotics in there. So I, I do like our, our, gray, our gray morality within the Star Wars universe. I'm glad that anime was able to embrace that and bring that out. Because it's it's given us some really interesting storytelling. Even if the second mm-hmm. act of Akakiri isn't the best, I still think that it's really bold and and and, mm-hmm. and cool. Even though we have a similar narrative with with Anakin, this to me feels more original. Somehow, mm-hmm. um, of course, I like Tatooine Rhapsody. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the story of a Padawan who rejects training altogether. Uh, I like the village bride and the way in which they take uh, they take on um, the teachings from the Jedi and interpret that mm-hmm. differently. So, yeah, my takeaway is that the, the, the Jedi are flexible. And at the end of the day, your canon is wrong and my canon is right. Now, Michael, what did you think? <laughs> I mean, I think I agree, right? Like, that's the best part about all this. I don't I already see videos, people being like, where does this fall in the timeline? Like, fuck off with that shit. You know, mm-hmm. like it is so interesting just to see these different takes on this mythos, because I think that's the more interesting stuff. And specifically, I think the the thing that I've really uh, come back to is how Jedi are visualized, because I think Star Wars is trying to have those evocative visual language and animation feels like it's a perfect shoe in for that you know the fight choreography that happens a lot of time you know trying to shoot that in live action i think would just be impossible sometimes Mm -hmm. even though i think we get some fucking awesome uh like no live action uh fight scenes the way in which like it's allowed to heighten drama through the animation itself i feel like makes it such a good shoe in for that and that's why i think i really like how the jedi are shown here because i think you can communicate even with the Jedi in particular, who are supposed to be subdued in specific ways, you can communicate the nuances in between them through animation, through how they are visualized to the audience. And I think that's what makes this these shorts, at, you know, at their best, feel uh, feel unique and feel original, and still feel like even if it's not, even if nothing's like truly groundbreaking or like it's deviating too much from the lore. It still feels like a unique story. And man, I, I would watch episode two of a lot of these shows. Even the ones I think that are, are good uh, short stories all on their own. And I think that that's what I I really like about them. And I, I, wish, I, I wish we could see more of these. Me too. I, I hope we get a season two 
even if they're completely different completely different narratives completely completely different studios this was a lot of fun this was a pleasant surprise for for disney to to throw out at us and i'll gladly watch more in the future honestly i think the real lesson takeaway from this is that for once the jedi feel like champions they don't feel like after watching the prequels, as Luke said, at the height of their power, they fucking created Darth Vader because they don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> <laughs> but this made Jedi feel like, you know, the, the, they made them feel cool. And they made them feel, I guess, like, I think, as they're designed to at times, mediators in specific places, the right person at the right time kind of style approach to storytelling. You know, even if they are only Jedi adjacent, that... You know, that style of storytelling, I'm aware is not it is not great, depending on it, because it's it's also going into that kind of individualistic storytelling I don't like. But I think with specifically all of these, it does make the Jedi seem like there's an actual uh like outlook here. And all of them being kind of connected to this makes it seem it, it breathes new life into it, which I think was the which was the goal of this. Mm-hmm. And so I think these shorts at their best do exactly that. Damn. I agree. Yeah, only one last question for you then, Joe. Uh, shoot. From worst to best, go all the shorts. All right. So worst, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the duel. I agree. Then I'm gonna go to the ninth Jedi. Damn. I know. Hot take. Then I'm gonna go to uh, Akakiri. Ooh, this is where it gets tough for me. I guess two uh, B one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lop and Ocho, mm-hmm. the Village Bride, the Twins. Tatooine Rhapsody and the best being the Elder. Solid list. I I, I think I I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? For me, uh, my least favorite from worst to best is uh, the duel, like you said. Mm-hmm. Then it's Akakiri. Mm-hmm. Then it's the twins for me. Ooh. Then it's two B one. Then it is uh, Tatooine Rhapsody. Then it is the Ninth Jedi, the Elder. And then it's a it's a tie between Lop and Ocho and the Village Bride for my favorite because I could not decide which one I liked more. I'm surprised you put the Ninth Jedi so high, but then again, you're surprised I put the Twins so high. That's okay. The Twins the Twins was just like watching the 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 end of Gurren Lagann again. Like that's the shit that I was watching. <laughs> watching episode three was like watching Inferno Cop, where it is so ridiculous and it's so yes. it's so silly that it's just. It, Oh my god! I'm, you I just have to be there for it, right? I I feel like I need to rewatch Inferno Cop now. <laughs> that shit's so wild. We just we just unlocked a core memory for both of yeah, us. Yeah, you did. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it is like Inferno Cop. It's just all over the fucking place. Like, if, what mm-hmm. is this leading to? Oh god. Yeah. Oh, we're we're still going. <laughs> Inferno Cop was like what six episodes? Yeah, it was like six episodes. Was, they're all like twelve minutes each. They're all done that like weird. 2d like microsoft paint style yeah <laughs> characters are just moving yeah it is they, they, they did oh. make it a microsoft paint <laughs> oh well i'll say i think i think i think resounding we still like these we still like these episodes and even the ones that felt bad i think we saw them as they had potential right yeah maybe with the exception of the duel where it's just black and white lightsaber fight <laughs> what a weird thing to start the series on you know, it, yeah. But yeah, uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, what are we doing next week, Joe? Next week, we're talking Venom. Venom, 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 Venom. <laughs> Venom, Venom, Venom. Yes, we are. We're talking about specifically Let There Be Carnage, the second uh, Venom movie coming out. Uh, Joe, you're going to do a double feature for this, right? Yes. Um, I've been told by many people to watch Venom. Because it is a beautiful trash fire. Uh, I have avoided it for a while. But I am going to face my fears and do a double feature this Friday. Watching both of them. So I'm really excited. Or rather, this will be... Y'all are going to be hearing this Monday after Venom is released. But I'm going to be watching it Venom the weekend it is released. Anyway, that's the peek behind the curtain. (laughs) Yes, we're talking Venom next week. We're really excited about it. Until then, make sure to look out for... Kyber crystals. Kyber crystals. Look out for kyber crystals, because you never know when one of those are lying around, I guess, because they're all over the place now. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.
All right, thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. Adam Renroe for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at twitter.com and Instagram at joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.